Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. You're listening to the Hog Talk Podcast, part of Believe Podcasts and the Buzz Radio Network. Former Arkansas Razorback baseball player Tyler Spoon. We have from ESPN's Around the Horn, highly questionable. Also, a two time Dan Levitard Show Suey winner and the <laughs> former head athlete at Cornell, Sarah Spain. D1Baseball.com editor Aaron Fitt. And current Razorback freshman star Devo Davis. Mr. Ryan McGee. And we are happy to be joined by Martrell Spate. A former guest of the show, Coach Mike Neighbors from the Arkansas women's basketball team. Former Razorback great and current SEC Network basketball analyst, Pat the Shooter Bradley. Here are your hosts, Kyle Sutherland, Kevin Bohannon, and Porter Hayes. Welcome in to episode 215 of the one and only Hog Talk Podcast, live from the Heinemann Services Studios. I'm your host, Kyle Sutherland, alongside Porter Hayes, and we welcome you into another edition of this on 1067 The Buzz 2 or your favorite podcast forum, wherever you're listening. We appreciate you coming to hang out with us. If you're on one of the forums, be sure and hit that subscribe button if you have not already. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, if you could please be so kind to leave us a five star rating and written review to help us continue to get our name out there and reach more people. The show is brought to you, as always, by our friends at Bet Online. They are your number one spot for all pro and college football action this season. With a new updated site and interface, plus more odds, props, and contests, Bet Online continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 100% welcome bonus off your first deposit just for signing up. And don't forget to use promo code NFL100. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet online, your online sports book experts. We've already hit week three of college football, and we're going to touch on this weekend's top games in segment one. And then in segment two, Coach Cabo previews the Georgia Southern game with Josh Aubrey of the Georgia Statesboro Herald to see uh, what the 2 0 Hogs are up against this coming Saturday. And Porter, as we expected, no one this week has overreacted whatsoever to the Texas win. Oh boy, I'll tell you what, man. There's there, there's been some good takes. Um, I knew they'd be excited, but to to go to some of the extremes that I've I've seen um, on Facebook, it's kind of got me personally because it, one of them involves my team. And I, look, before I start, I mean. <clears throat> I'm not taking anything away from Barry Odom. I'm not saying anything negative against Barry Odom. The dude has killed it. He's proven himself as a great coordinator. But but to try and put him in a class with a coordinator who's arguably one of the best coordinators on both sides of the ball in the nation, and to say he's better than them, and there's multi, it's not just like one person's take. There was multiple people saying he's better than Brent Venables, and I, I can't. I, I had to put my fan hat on tight because, I mean, that was – it's not a far stretch that he could potentially become as good as Brent Venables because of if he pro- builds this program. But you can't put him after a win against Texas against a guy who's won two national championships and has produced top five defenses for ten years. I mean, their their loss against Georgia was their first time losing back to back games since two thousand eleven two thousand twelve. 
but you're going to put Odom in that same class. And I, I just, I, I can't, I can't buy that. Yeah, I can't either. I, and that's, again, like you said, it's no disrespect to him. He is one of, Barry being one of the top defensive minds in the country. I don't think anybody's arguing that. But to come in and just, it, it would have been different if someone would have come in and said, is Barry Odom the greatest defensive coordinator in Arkansas history? That's a more reasonable argument. Now, Monty Kiffin, in my opinion, in, mod, in modern-day football, I think he proved that he's probably the best from 77 to 79. He never had a team, an opposing team, team score over 28 points and plus you had a lot of single digit games in there the Arkansas defense there in the late 70s was really 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 freaking good I mean we were competing for national championships at that time and a lot of uh, big names or at least eventual big names on that staff in 77 he had Pete Carroll as a grad assistant he had Rick Minner on that staff in 78 that took uh, Carroll's spot whenever I think Carroll went to uh, Pacific which coach Minner's a good friend of mine he's been on the show before and he was the head coach at Cincinnati and has had multiple stops in 35, 40 years, and there's many other names that you can point to as well. But, but yeah, I mean, look, I, I was th- I was bragging to a lot of people about on, on Saturday night. Well, I guess really Saturday night, it was a little – by the time that it ended, it was like 10 o'clock or so. But on Sunday, I'm like, man, I don't really think that people are overreacting too much. I mean, we're excited, as we should be, but I don't really think a lot of people are overreacting to this. Then the meme started rolling in on Monday. Then the comments started rolling in on Razorback Nation. And, guys, look, we're, we're not making fun of anybody, but we're just saying pump the brakes. This is something I, I – just completely do, do we not remember clubbed up i mean it popped exactly. up on my timeline two, two years ago and, and then you know the big mississippi state win i mean it's it, it, let let the season play out one game and at a time. I, I, i'll tell you this if this guy reels off and they win eight games this year and let's say they lose their only two losses is to alabama and georgia this year I'll entertain that conversation. I would. I would honestly entertain that conversation. But let's see what happens first. I mean, because you've got a four-game stretch. You know, Texas A&M, Georgia, Auburn, Ole Miss. Let's see after after that stretch and, and see how they produce before we're ready to name him the best defensive coordinator in the nation. Yeah, and I think that the Ole Miss game, and I've said this all offseason, that I think that's going to be one of the tougher games up there with Alabama. Not saying that Ole Miss is as good as Alabama or Georgia, but at least in terms of our game with them, considering what they what we did to them last year with the seven turnovers, Matt Corral throwing six interceptions, they have us circled. I understand that it's all about one game at a time, but they would be lying if they told you that it has not been, especially Matt Corral in the back of his mind, Lane Kiffin in the back of his mind. He's seen all the – Elaine Kiffin is very active on social media, and he's one of the best trolls in the country. He has seen the tweets. He has seen all of the social media posts. And most coaches I don't think really care about that much, but I think to Lane Kiffin it does. He sees all of them. And they use that mm-hmm. as motivation. It's bulletin board material with a, in a social media age. There's no better way to, to create content for bulletin boards than there is right now. And so, look – we're all as excited. Everybody on this staff at, at the Hog Talk is just as excited as you are that we beat Texas. But, guys, I can't stress enough. I went on two different segments during – I think it was maybe one in July and one in August to not get too excited to the point where you start judging one game or basically the rest of the season off of one game. We're past Texas. We're excited about that. We're 2-0. and It's on to Georgia Southern, and then we'll worry about the rest from there. And so – 
We'll get into some other key matchups, but first I want to tell you guys about our friends at A-Plus Insurance. They've got you covered for your home, business, auto, life, and recreational policies. Check them out on Facebook at A-Plus Insurance Center. Visit their office at 312 West Commercial Street, Nozark, or contact Marcus Berry or Melinda Gregory at 479-667-3626. That's 479-667-3626. A-Plus Insurance Center in Ozark, Arkansas. So, Porter, we got uh, a pretty good slate of games this weekend. Now, Nebraska and OU, I know that that's going to get a lot of attention because of the history, or I, I guess kind of depending on what region you are in, whether that will get a lot of attention or not. I mean, Tulane, who seems to be a pretty good team, gave OU all that they really wanted. You know, it was uh, – I, I can't – I think his name was Michael Pratt uh, that gave Spencer – he outdueled Spencer, Spencer Rattler in week one, passing for 300 yards and three touchdowns. And so this is – I'll tell you what, this is going to be one – you know, I'm not saying that if Nebraska gets blown out because that's probably expected, but if this could help Scott Frost out a little bit, if they can at least give them a game and keep it within a touchdown or 10 points because I don't think that that's unreasonable because o- OU has proven really – I know you can't really look at history compared to this year, but they have been a vulnerable team in plenty of, time, plenty of times under Lincoln Riley. Uh, yeah, I, I just from what I've seen from Nebraska, I don't I, I don't think this is going to be a game at halftime. Yeah, I, I really don't. I, I think it's going to be just how they've struggled. You look at, you know, Illinois beat them, and then you see that, you know, Illinois has went on to lose to UTSA, which is awesome. You know, UTSA shout out to them for beating, you know, Belama, you know, Lunny and, and Trailer. So. Um, no, I, I don't think this is going to be a close game at all. I think this is going to be a, a nostalgic hype, kind of like what they did with the Alabama-Miami game. They tried to hype the game up, and, and you we've seen how that. I think it's going to be a similar outcome. Until Nebraska shows me, especially with their quarterback, which I, I've been on record, I, I uh, have compared Martinez to Guarn Tarnero, you know, from Tennessee. Just that type of – he's been there forever, and he's just never produced. And I just don't see them scoring – I mean, and that might show how good Tulane is. We'll find out this week. But I, I don't see Nebraska keeping this in within 21, 28 points. What about number eight Cincinnati at Indiana? Indiana has been a pretty they've, – they've kind of come out of nowhere in a couple of games and snuck up and surprised a lot of people. You know, Cincinnati had a really good – have done extremely well. They had a good season last year, the year before. They've done really well under Luke Fickle. I know that he's a hot commodity for the USC job, or at least in terms of what the media is saying, what some of the betting sites, what our uh, our sponsor Bet Online is saying, that he could possibly be one of the high, highest candidates there for the USC job. Could that be one where Indiana – I mean, it's at – it's in Bloomington. You think that's one where they could get the uh, get the Bearcats? Yeah, I mean, this is one of those sneaky games, and also it's 11 o'clock. You know, it, it's a, one of them early games. So you don't have a 6 o'clock game where you've got all day to prepare for it, get up, get the crowds hyped up. So, But that could go both ways, too. You know, that those 11 o'clock games in the Big Ten region, it seems like they just, they're just they slow and go, and Cincinnati's more high tempo. So if this is going to – this game plays in Indiana's hands – but and they're one of them teams that have proven that they're an up and coming team. So this is going to be more important for Indiana, I think, to to prove that they're one of the top teams in in, in the Big Ten. But you got to realize this is also a big big show me game for Cincinnati because they're about to join the Big Twelve. They're about to step up to a big 
Power Five Conference. So well, let's see what they can do. But I, I think Cincinnati pulls this one out 10, 10 13 points. But it, it could be a close game in the fourth quarter. Yeah, I, I think, man, I'm going to go with Indiana in this one. I, I have n- no clue. Haven't watched either one of them, but I'm just going to go with them just for fun. I, I'm going to pick OU like you in the in the uh, previous game with Nebraska. I'm going to pick them by at least two touchdowns, but. I'm going to go with Indiana just for fun, just so we can disagree. Because I, because I think, uh, yeah, <laughs> you know, it's just a little bit of fun there, and so we can have some sort of disagreement. But I, I think one that that is trying to be overhyped, or not really, I don't know, I shouldn't say overhyped, but they're trying to hype up. Obviously, one of the ones is Bama and Florida. Now, I, I, Florida does have athletes. Yes, they do. Anthony Richardson seems to be the guy over Emory Jones at quarterback. Will his hamstring hold up? But it's, he's playing better. It seems like that he should be the guy as of right now through what the two games that they've played moving forward. But I could see Florida sticking with them maybe in the first half, but I just don't see them being able to keep up. I mean, they don't really, to my knowledge, I don't think they have a ton of experience. I know they lost a bunch of skill players last year. I just don't see them being able to hang with Florida for four quarters. And I don't think any, really anybody except for maybe in, in the Gainesville area is going to pick Florida, but I think this one's going to be at least two touchdowns as well, kind of like the Nebraska OU game. Yeah, and, and I can't disagree. I mean, I know we keep it interested and stuff like that, try to debate, but until Bama loses or t- until somebody gives them a close game, you, you can't. It's almost how you treat Bill Belichick or, you know, when he had Tom Brady and Tom Brady in the Super Bowl. Until they're proven wrong, you can't go against them. And and as much as it pains me to say about Alabama, they're just they're a juggernaut. I mean, they have looked really impressive. I know the teams that they've played, you know, Miami, we've seen what they've become, and they're not as good as advertised, but still yet. They're, they've got the ball rolling. They've got the wide receivers. They've got Bryce Young, Mechie. you know, you got the running backs, and it is in the swamp. So we'll, we'll see how that crowd is, but that crowd's only going to get you so much if you're down 14, 21 points. So, um, but you don't have pits and you don't have Trask. So, I mean, you've got a lot of missing pieces on that Florida, you know, roster, and we've yet to see what they've been able to do. I haven't seen them on, on film yet. So, but no, I, I'm with you. I, I would say, I mean, until I'm proven wrong, I'll, I'll say Bam by 21. And then, of course, one that's – you're staying in the state of Alabama. Everybody's wondering what Auburn is going to do at Penn State. Now, Auburn, they won their first two games 122 to nothing against very much lesser competition. I think one was Bama State, and uh, I can't remember what the other one was, but I know that uh, – I think Akron, Akron and Bama State. And so going into the, the Penn, to Happy Valley, it's a wide-out game. We are really going to – Brian Harson has looked about as good as you can look in two games, again, against lesser competition. But we're going to really find out what he is about as number 22 Auburn heads into Happy Valley against the 10th-ranked Penn State. Um, it, it was funny. I've I seen a thing, you know, and, and you're talking about hyping. Um, I just think it's really funny and, and hilarious that people are hyping this game up like Auburn's not going to know what to do coming into – you know, Happy Valley in this whiteout. They play in the Iron Bowl every single year. Yeah. I mean, one of the biggest rivalries in the nation. So I, I know it's a road environment, but, you know, when Auburn Alabama play, they play home and home. So they know what it's like to go into Brighton-Denny Stadium, packed house. You know, Alabama knows what it's like to go into War Eagle and, and Jordan Hare and go into that environment. And look what Auburn plays on a week-to-week basis. You know, that's what makes the SEC different. 
every single big game, you've got big crowds and the opposing team's going to give you everything they got and the fans. And I, I think this is going to be a one possession game, but I just, I think Auburn's going to pull it out. They're not going to look as explosive just because Penn State's defense is really good. So I think this would might be a 24-20 game, 27-21 game. Yeah, I definitely don't think the moment is going to be too big whatsoever. Bo Nix, regardless of how off he's been throughout his career, he has played already in two Iron Bowls. I think he's actually – didn't he win one of them? Or is yes. It, he yes. won one. Yeah, won one of them. So his freshman year. So there's no question that he knows how to play in the big games. He, is, he understands that, and there's plenty of players on this Auburn team that do is the the question is is where, how is I, I really don't know I, I thought Brian Harson did a really good job at his mid-major schools this is going to be the first true test though before he gets into SEC play but I completely agree with you I think that they are it is pretty comical how they are trying to hype this up yeah like that's, the, doesn't that's understand. the word I was thinking I think, of comical yeah <laughs> that's that's what yeah there's no question and especially the fact that they were talking about that on SEC well I think it was SEC network that they were, it yes. had been different if it was like <laughs> they were talking about this on the Big Ten or something where they yeah. weren't really thinking about the Iron Bowl I get all that because in their mind and historically this is accurate but right now I definitely think you could put the Iron Bowl over Michigan Ohio State rivalry just because that has been so one-sided now for the most part it's been one sided with Alabama, but you still, I think Gus was three and five against Saban. So, I mean, better than it's a losing record, but it's better than any other active coach can say. I don't think any other active coach actually has more than one win against him other than Dabo, maybe. So, Dabo, I think, has two. And so, Gus has three. So, that's more than just about anybody in active in college football can say right now. And one that really entices me the aforementioned Tulane. And Ole Miss. Now, Ole Miss, I, I'm actually really high. I hate them with every fiber in my being, but I'm pretty high on this team. I think they're really good this year. They did really well against Louisville. We don't really know how good Louisville is. But Tulane's a sneaky good team. I think that Ole Miss certainly wins this game. It's a 7 o'clock, and I think that Ole Miss will certainly pull this out. But I could see Tulane giving them a scare and, and you know taking this even in possibly to the third, fourth quarter maybe. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you've seen what they've done against OU. It, it wasn't a, a, a low-scoring game. They put up some points, and it was at OU. You know, and I know OU gave them the nice gesture of the putting their logo on, on, on the 25-yard line stuff, and, you know, they're breaking out the old-school helmets. And I think even somebody said on the back of their helmets they're going to put the, uh, the their SEC conference titles they claimed, I think, back in the 30s and 40s. So I don't know if that – Putting that on there, that statement, you know, proclaiming the SEC titles, if that will hurt them because we seen what Vandy done that one time when they beat somebody and then they wanted Bama. You know, now you're going against Ole Miss, this high-powered offense, and you're like, oh, look at the SEC championships we've won. I don't know how many championships Ole Miss has won, you know, SEC titles. So they might take that as a jab, and it might backfire on them. So we'll have to wait and see on that one. But, yes, Tulane definitely has a chance to put up some points but their defense is suspect. You know, I mean, you've got to look at that OU game. I mean, they were both putting points up left and right. So, you know, it's at 7 p.m. So we'll see how, you know, Hottie Toddy's ready for them. This has been a trap game in the past, but I don't see it happening this year. South Carolina at number two, Georgia at 6 p.m. I think it was actually a couple of years. It was like 
three years ago, maybe? 2019. 2019. So it was 2019 that they went, that South Carolina went to Georgia's house and beat them. I don't see that happening again, though. I think that this one's probably going to be, I mean, Georgia's defense, the way that they looked against Clemson, I know that they still have some things to work on offensively, but I, I think this is probably another one of those games that could be two to three touchdowns. Yeah, one, it was a, a fluke win by Carolina because, I mean, the one field goal that Rodrigo missed, it was against South Carolina, which, I mean, it was a low score in 2019 game. But um, for the record, there's no way in hell I will ever pick South Carolina to win in anything, <laughs> any game. So uh, go dogs. You're about to say, you're like me with Ole Miss. I, I just, <laughs> yes. I, I don't care if it's chess or, or keg stance. That's, no. that's what uh-uh. I tell Ty Richardson all the time when Ty and I talk about, uh, you know, he, he hates A&M football, Kentucky basketball, and Ole Miss baseball. I tell him every single time we debate about this, I don't care if it's chess. I don't care if it is, if, if it's keg stands. I don't care if it's ACT scores. I want to kick their butts and everything, me mm-hmm. and Ole Miss. Yeah, I don't really like A&M either. I don't really care for Kentucky either but Ole Miss is the team that I just absolutely despise their entire school I don't care what it is so it's on the level that uh, if they were playing the Taliban I would pick the Taliban Uh, it's hard for me not to I know that that's probably (laughs) I know that that's probably not something to joke about particularly at this moment but you know what I'll still say it I I I I almost am at that point my uh, myself so well, yeah. Well, again, uh, the Razorbacks play at three o'clock on SEC Network against Georgia Southern, and we will have that preview here in just a second. After this break, up next, Coach Cabo talks with Josh Aubrey from the Statesboro Herald. Don't touch that dial. You're listening to the Hog Talk Podcast, part of Believe Podcast and the Buzz Radio Network. Located in Fayetteville, Rapology is your top spot for banners, signs, and wraps. From commercial fleet wraps, color changes, vinyl decals, and much more, they take care of you in a timely and professional manner. Call Rapology today at 479-368-6490. Again, that's 479-368-6490. Tackle your to-do list without breaking your back or getting your hands dirty by calling Heinemann Services. Located in Northwest Arkansas, Heinemann Services is your premier company to get those projects done that you've been putting off. Whether small remodels, lawn care, carpentry, and much more, they take care of you in a timely manner with exceptional customer service. Call Corey and his crew today at 479-347-9336. That's 479-347-9336. Welcome back to episode 215 of the Hog Talk Podcast. I'm Kevin Bohannon, and I am joined on our Workman's Travel Center hotline by Georgia Southern football writer Josh Aubrey. Welcome to the show, Josh. Hey, thanks. Nice to be here. Hey, man. Uh, football season's in full swing, and, of course, this episode is brought to you by betonline.ag. Uh, head on over to betonline.ag and get your bets in for college football this weekend. All right, Josh, tell us a little bit about Georgia Southern it's a little bit in today's world unorthodox uh, because of the triple option uh, Arkansas has been preparing for it it seems like y'all are going to get some guys back from injury uh, let it let, how's the offense looking so far well the offense hadn't been looking so good so far uh, a big problem for them coming into the year they had a four-year starter that lasts uh, at quarterback who left last year. He's actually at Louisville as a receiver this year in the transfer portal. But uh, the guy that was scheduled to be his replacement 
had to miss the first two games of the season due to some academic issues. And that left them with a true freshman quarterback and then a guy that hadn't played quarterback since his high school days, who was a transfer from Tulane as a slot back slash receiver. And uh, the duo there has not really got it done. Could be a little bit better once they get the quarterback back. But the offense has not looked real sharp. Um, you know, the you mentioned the triple option. It's not exactly the same triple option Georgia Southern has run for years. It's a little more of a hybrid with a little more of a spread mixed in. Um, when Willie Fritz took over, in 2014 from Jeff Munkin, who was an under center option. He kind of mm -hmm. went more with the shotgun or pistol uh, and ran a little option out of that. He's now at Tulane. They tried to keep the same offense going under different coaches with varied success. And now that they've gone to the pistol or shotgun and that triple option, I think, teams are more apt to be able to defend it because that's basically what the RPO is in the spread passing game. You have a, you have a handoff, you have a, you have a zone read, and then you have either a wide receiver, a tight end out in the flats, you know, however that's, you see it. But are, do you think teams are able to prepare a little bit better for this type of triple option versus the under center uh, flex bone just down three yards in a cloud of dust? For sure. I mean, you know, and that's, you know, you kind of get that with the folks around here having the under center triple option for so long and a lot of success for so long with it, they kind of bucked it a little bit. Now, when Fritz came in and had success immediately out of the pistol, I think people were like, okay, we're all right with that. But then when it starts to struggle uh, after he left, there's, you know, some people who want to bring back some form of the under center triple option that, you know, like Army runs. And, uh, and then there's some that want us to just go strictly with what everyone else is doing now with the RPO and things like that. So, yes, I think that it's a lot easier to, to defend now than what it was because it is something that a lot of people see. Uh, variations of now as opposed to if you went under center and ran it the way army does i think it's tougher to to defend yeah and gus malzon who you know the father of the note you know no huddle hurry up offense you know he wrote that but he was a wing t coach back in arkansas during high school days and there's of course a lot of variations off of that but it's still, you know, you can follow the guards in a lot of situations. And with the triple option, you're always going to have men unblocked because you have to read those guys. Uh, and with quarterback coming back hopefully this week, uh, give us some names of guys to watch out for on the Georgia Southern offense. Okay, so on offense, the, the quarterback that's coming back, and he, he played a little bit last year when the uh, starter, Shy Wirtz, got hurt. And uh, his name is Justin Tomlin. He's about 6'1", 195-ish. He's a, he's a, he can run pretty good. He can throw pretty good. He's not got one aspect that he does 
you know, what I would say great, but he's, he's solid on both sides. And it seems to be that the team, uh, even though he missed the first two games of the season with some academic issues, he seems to be the guy that a lot of the team are following uh, as the guy. So I, I think the offense will be a little bit more explosive, maybe not against you guys, but, but it will, they will show improvement. Um, some other guys to look out for, they've got some good running backs. Uh, Logan Wright is a senior. He's kind of a bruiser. He's about 225, about six foot. Then they've got uh, J.D. King, who I don't think will be back. He is a super senior, one of the guys that came back for his extra year of eligibility after he blew out his knee last year. I think they're going to hold him out at least one more game before he's back. But he transferred from Oklahoma a few years back, or Oklahoma State, rather. And then there's another big guy, Jalen White, who's who's got a, got some size on him, too. He's about six foot six one, about 215. And then Gerald Green is a guy, a little short, stocky, hard runner, pretty fast. He's been he was out last week. He's one that they might get back this week and he could make a difference for them. He's number four and he's about five, eight and one ninety ish, one ninety five. And then the one guy that I think is the 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 X factor is Amari Jones, who played some quarterback for us. He's the one that came in from Tulane. He's real fast. He plays kind of that slot receiver. Uh, He'll run. You know, they may bring him in a little bit to run Wildcat. He'll he'll line up at different places all over the field. He's got a lot of speed. He's a guy who can make difference and, and, and can break off some long runs as well. Yeah, this Georgia Southern football team, of course, it's, it's only been Division I or FBS. I think we're in their eighth season um, since they joined the Sun Belt in 2014. Had That's right. Success, yeah, had a lot of success in one double layer FCS uh, back in the day. Um, you've been to three straight bowl games. What does this team need to do moving forward? I know we're still in the young in the season to uh, make it four straight. Well, you know, they had the early success in FBS when they made the move. They, when they, the year before the year they made the move, Jeff Munkin got hired by Army, and when they brought in Willie Fritz, who came from um, down in Texas uh, at another 1AA school, and he made a seamless transition here, and they had immediate success. But then in 2016, this is one that, you, that you'll appreciate. So it got down to the hiring process for who was going to fill the shoes when Willie Fritz left for Tulane, and it was down to Jamie Chadwell, who's at Coastal Carolina, mm-hmm. and Tyson Summers, who was the uh, defensive coordinator at Colorado State. And they decided to go with Tyson Summers, who promptly went 5-7, and seven, then 2-10, <laughs> and 10, and he was fired in the Quickly mid-season. shown the door. <laughs> yeah, because Georgia Southern, they're used to winning. Now, it was on a smaller level, but then they were used to winning on the FBS level. Um they ended up hiring from within and brought Chad Lunsford, who's now the head coach. Um, and it was a bit of a surprise to a lot of people because he was not a coordinator, hadn't been a coordinator. 
And, uh, but he had some pretty good success in 2018. He went 10 and three. Um, as you mentioned, they went to a bowl game, won that followed up with 2019. They were seven and six lost the bowl game. Then last year, eight and five won a bowl game. Now you would think three straight bowls, you're in a fairly safe position. Well, the Georgia <laughs> Southern fans are already calling for his head after the Florida Atlantic loss this past week where they lost 38 to six. That's not something that, that I don't feel like the people here think that things are progressing in a very good way. We've got a new AD, Jared Benko, who came over, had been uh, in a lot of different programs in the SEC. I think he had a cup of coffee with Arkansas. He was at Mississippi State before coming here. And he has gone on record to say eight and five, seven and six are not acceptable records at Georgia Southern. Right now, they're one and one, have you guys next week, followed by Louisiana, who's a very good team in the Sun Belt. The week mm-hmm. after that, there's going to be a, a lot. These message boards are going to continue to get louder and louder unless there is some success that they can tangibly see on the field. So, you know, you're saying what do they need to do to make that next step? You know, missing out on Jamie Chadwell and seeing where Coastal Carolina is right now is stuck in the craw of a lot of Georgia Southern fans. Appalachian State continues to do well. I think people are afraid that other teams in the Sun Belt are passing Georgia Southern by. And so that's kind of where they are uh, at Georgia Southern right now. Not a lot of happy fans. Yeah, and it's you talk about the Sun Belt. The Sun Belt has become really competitive, and especially over the past few years. Of course, you had Arkansas State that went on a good run under Brian Anderson, uh, Harson, Gus Malzahn. They, they won four straight back uh, a few years ago, and they still continue to be a thorn in a lot of people's side. But the emergence of Coastal, the emergence of uh, Louisiana, like you mentioned, South Alabama's getting better. Troy, and then you got App State, who played with Miami within two points. This is a really tough conference now. Yeah, I think that's – and that's what I think people are frustrated with is that, like the teams you mentioned, Georgia Southern should be one of the first teams out of people's mouths, I think is what most people here feel when you're talking about the Sun Belt. Instead, mm-hmm. Coastal Carolina, it's the guy we did not hire for whatever reason – uh, and he's got this uh, this other team down the road doing so well. You've got App State, who's the big rival of Georgia Southern. It seems like they might be pulling away as well. Then, as you mentioned, you've got Troy. You've got South Alabama, Louisiana. They're all doing well. Arkansas State tends to kind of be up and down some. You know, they'll get a really good coach in there, be good for a year or two. That guy moves on. Then they've had kind of up and down. But Georgia Southern wants to be one of those teams that are talked about. And right now, they have yet to crack the top 25 and things that they see their other brethren doing. And I think that's where a lot of the fans here and, uh, and, and the people who saw Georgia Southern win six 1AA national championships are like, we should be in this mix. And right yeah. now, they're Go down the Sunbelt Road. Talk about the defense a little bit. Uh, who can we look for some of the top stars on the defensive side of the ball? Well, the defense has been, oddly enough, kind of been one of the things that's carried 
the team over the past few years. When they won 10 games in 2018, they had led the nation in turnover margin that year. Um, this year, things have not started off too well, despite the fact that they have eight senior starters playing on defense. They went from 20 points a game. I just did a story on this um, last year, averaging and then giving up 325 yards per game to this year, 31 points per game and 472 yards per game. And that's coming against an FCS team in the first game. And then Florida Atlantic, who's not exactly world beaters, in the second game. Um, they lost Todd Bradley Glenn, who was their bell cow, I guess, linebacker, who was coming back for his sixth season. He tore his bicep right before the first game. That's been a tough loss for them. They've got a couple transfers in at linebacker, a guy from FSU, Kadri Jackson, and Kevon Glenn, who came from North Carolina. Both of those guys came through the transfer portal. Big things expected from them. They've had a little trouble uh, kind of getting on the same page as a lot of the other guys on defense. Um, and that's one of the things that they've talked about this week is, is trying to get these guys. The communication hasn't quite been there. Um, they've got a nose tackle who's got some aspirations of possibly playing on the on the, in, on the next level, his name is C.J. Wright. He's a beast at nose guard. He was probably an inch or two uh, shy of being someone that would be in the ACC or SEC. Um, he's a senior. He's 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 wrecked havoc so far this year. Uh, they had a guy. They've got a corner. His name is Derek Cantini. He's just a sophomore, but last year he was one of the leaders in the nation in interceptions. Um, He's a guy to look, look out for. Uh, you know, they've got a, a, their D-line, Justin Ellis. Uh, he came to Georgia Southern from Syracuse a few years back. He's a pretty tough guy up there. Their defensive line has gotten some pressure, uh, eight sacks through the first couple games, 15 tackles for losses. The secondary is what's kind of been the, the Achilles heel. Um, they've given up a lot of wide open touchdowns and some problems uh, deep with the deep ball. And that's yeah. something that they're really trying to work on. They also have not had a turnover. They have not created a turnover this year. And that's something that they've kind of hung their hats on. So that's definitely a, a point of emphasis that they've had this year. Yeah, obviously the the strength of Arkansas's offense right now has been the running game coming off a 333 game or yard performance versus Texas, uh, and they're looking to work on the passing game. This seems like the perfect chance to do it. I think they've given up 700. Georgia Southern's defense has given up 700 yards passing through the first two games. Is that about right? Yeah, it has. And okay. run defense has been a little better, but they haven't seen the kind of line that you guys are going to bring in there the monsters that that you've got the the size on the offensive line is is pretty uh eye popping when you look at the size of what you guys have yeah it, it'll be a little interesting to see um we came out slow against rice you never know what's going to happen that's why they play the games on saturdays and that's why the movie any given sunday was created but i've always been a really big fan of, of georgia southern back when you know the other adrian peterson was there in the fcs days and of course, I, I grew up running the wishbone and the triple option. So 
I've always kind of kept an eye on. They had the, the numbers on the helmets, and it was always really cool to see that uh, a school from Georgia in the FCS was dominating at that time. Yeah, I mean, six national championships. I was here for, for those. Um, and, you know, they they went from Irk Russell, who was who made his name at Georgia as the the defensive coordinator with the junkyard dogs uh, back in the day. And then he turned it over to Paul Johnson, uh, who was actually orchestrated the hand bone offense back when Tracy <laughs> yeah. was the quarterback, you might remember. And then it went into uh, Adrian Peterson, our Adrian Peterson, who's still actually on the sidelines. He's working with the team now. Um, still looks like he could, suit up i know a lot of people have asked him to um, <laughs> but but you know, for those who don't know he is in the college football hall of fame played uh believe eight years with chicago off and on as a starting running back um was you know has got his name up in the rafter uh, re, you know retired here at georgia southern was a heck of a running back set all kinds of records you can you can pull up a clip on YouTube with video that that I shot of him through his four years and uh, and get a look of what a beast he was on the FCS level back in the day. But, you know, and that's what, again, a lot of people remember those times and want those days back again and are are a little frustrated with where Georgia Southern is in the hierarchy, especially in the. Uh, the way they are in the Sun Belt right now, when you see other teams getting the notoriety, they're not used to that. And it's kind of like, hey, we need to be in this discussion. And there, and as I mentioned, um, I think there is a, a hard push to show some progress quickly. Unfortunately, they're playing Arkansas this week. So I don't know what would be considered success, but they've you know, in the past, they've been able to hang around with some teams. Yeah. They gave they gave Alabama fits, and Nick Saban was, you know, talking about like blank through a goose the way they ran through, through, yeah. through Alabama a few years back. Um, you know, gave NC State, Georgia Tech. You know, they they played really well against a lot of teams. Um, Minnesota, they had that game won. Uh, a couple two years ago and Minnesota scored with like 10 seconds left to pull it out when they were ranked, I believe around 18 or 19. So -hmm. they've had some success. I don't, I don't think they're going to go in there, you know, just hoping to, to play well against Arkansas, but it would be a, a, a monumental effort to, 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 to keep it close. I believe with the way they played the first two games. Yeah, definitely a lot of history there, and, and we're looking forward to the game this weekend. All right, Josh, we ask every opposing team media member that comes on with us each week to, to do a prediction for us. You can do the game winner. You can do the score. We've asked for the score, but if you don't want to, we understand. Uh, but give us a prediction on what happens, you know, when the dust clears about six thirty, seven o'clock on uh, Saturday evening. I have not seen a spread on this game. Do 23 and a half. Yeah, 23 and a half. <laughs> So I, I, I'm, I, my spread would be around that. I'm thinking 38-17 would be my prediction on the score. I think if they can get it closer to that, I think the 
the for sale signs and stuff that the people around <laughs> here have got uh, going towards Coach Lunsford. I think if they can keep it within a couple of touchdowns, people will will, will give them a, a little break, and uh, hopefully this thing will be able to to right the ship when they've got Louisiana the following week. That's awesome. Well, hey, Josh, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule. Uh, are you coming to Fayetteville this weekend? Not going to be able to make the trip. It's a little bit. I've got to cover some high school games Friday night, which makes it tough to then yeah. try to get there. But I'll be watching the game on TV and uh, taking notes and seeing how things go. Yeah, we greatly appreciate it again. That'll do it for episode 215 of the Hog Talk podcast. Make sure you go to your favorite podcast platform. Subscribe, rate, review, leave us a comment so we can get that great content out to you each week. Uh, for Kyle Sutherland, Porter Hayes, I'm Kevin Bohannon. We'll see you next time. Blue Pig. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.